Fred Ricciani of the Sports Courier Podcast. There's a lot going on in the world, in the world especially of professional wrestling, the speaking out movement. It is pro wrestling's version of the Me Too movement. So many questions that, that need to be answered. We're getting a lot of frequently asked questions about domestic violence, about abuse, about victims, about rape culture, gaslighting. And I thought, why not bring in somebody that is an expert, that has firsthand knowledge of this, and somebody that positively impacts lives every day. So I am proud to bring on the founder of the Nadia's Hope Foundation, which raises awareness about domestic violence abuse, Rasha Eldiv, a good friend of mine who does some amazing work in Canada. Rasha, how's everything going? Doing pretty good, you know, amongst everything that's happening. But thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, can you tell everybody a little bit about Nadia's Hope? Of course. Uh, Nadia's Hope was founded last year, uh, but it was unfortunately because of the outcome of my younger sister, Nadia, who was murdered in a case of domestic homicide in Calgary in March of 2018. So it was a case of domestic violence, and we started this organization to raise awareness about her story, but also about what domestic abuse can look like. Uh, so we are a registered charity, which is great, and we're our goal is really to speak to the youth about what a healthy relationship could look like and what domestic abuse can look like, and to properly give them enough information to take that uh, later on into their lives when they enter you know, full-on adult relationships as well. Now, what's interesting is that you're not a wrestling fan at all. So you're coming into this from like an outsider's perspective, but obviously you have a lot of experience in the actual, you know, subject matter because abuse, yeah. violence, it doesn't discriminate. And, you know, unfortunately we're seeing that now also in the gaming community, they're kind of having their own, you know, Me Too movement. We saw that with, with of course, Hollywood and, and Harvey Weinstein, the Jeffrey Epstein stuff, um, everything yeah. else. But just based on some of the stuff you've read and seen and what we've talked about, like off air, what's your overall assessment of what's going on in pro wrestling right now? Well, actually, when we were younger, um, I, my dad and I and my siblings, we actually used to religiously watch WWE. <laughs> we grew up, you know, with The Rock and with The Undertaker and with Kane. So we were actually pretty into it when we were younger. But obviously, as we grew older, we grew out of it. But uh, it's really like we it was definitely a very male dominated environment. There would be the random women that would come on uh, and. We, you know, we wouldn't care about it as much because, you know, we want to see the men fight. And that's that's kind of like the the ideology that we have, which is, you know, quite wrong because we want to be able to introduce women into wrestling because women can wrestle, too. But seeing the news and it's kind of like a double edged sword where I'm really thankful that these women are speaking out. But I'm also really heartbroken at the fact that that was happening in the first place. Uh, but because it's such a highly toxic environment that is super male dominated, what I was reading is that there's a pretty big hierarchy in the in the wrestling industry because these men have a pretty big reputation. And when there's a young woman that's coming in and she's new and she's young, she wants to get her career going. And then there's this man who's grooming her into, you know, into abuse a lot of the times and rape, rape and assault because he has that high reputation. And of course, she doesn't want to speak out because she doesn't want to hurt her career because she's new and upcoming. And the men know that they have that kind of power and they abuse it because they're, you know, they're going to, they, they say things like, well, it, because I have this high reputation, who's going to believe her over myself, who's been here for a long time. And, you know, definitely a story that that's not going away. But uh, what I'm interested in talking about today is a lot of the frequently asked questions, right? Because obviously you have your Twitter trolls and you have a lot of idiots that just like to, to make noise and annoy, annoy people and, and troll. But there's a lot of people that generally kind of don't understand some of these cases. You know, they're lucky enough where they haven't had to deal with this firsthand or, or secondhand or, or thirdhand. So they might ask some of these questions here. So are you ready to answer some of them? Let's go for it. Okay. People will always say, why didn't said victim go to the police? Your answer? My answer is it's not that simple. 
uh, it takes a really long time for you to even admit or to to know that abuse had happened. A lot of the times when you are subject to abuse, whether it's verbal or physical, sexual, however, it takes you a long time for, for you to even process what happened. And because there's so much trauma happening, your brain goes into survival mode. Survival mode can look like you shutting down and actually forgetting the incident, suppressing the memory and causing you to, to sometimes forget what happened or to deny what happened. So it takes somebody a really long time, first of all, to even know that abuse occurred. A lot of the times as well, when it comes to going to the police, again, when you're going against somebody who has such a big reputation and it's really, it takes a toll on you thinking that nobody's going to believe me. And also a lot of the times, um, because there might not be evidence that a case will be dismissed, they'll be like, well, you know, if it was just verbal abuse or if it was something like that, whatever evidence do you have, which can hinder somebody from going to the police and reporting what had happened. And a lot of people say things like, well, why did it take you so long if it happened over a long time? Or why are you speaking out now when this person in position, you know, is, is out there on the media? And a lot of the times it's because of the fact that they are in a higher position. They're like, I want it. I want to talk about what happened because this person should not be in a position of power. You know, you look at things like Trump and uh, sorry, in Canada, we don't know their exact <laughs> names because of course it affects us, but we're not as in tune with the US, US news, but he hired somebody uh, with the, I was, I'm sorry, you know how they have like a court system, the, the big court system? Yeah, yeah, uh, Kavanaugh. Yeah, he hired Ka- Kavanaugh, yeah. yes. So, you know, people think, well, false allegations happened. Well, look at this. This person, you know, he's still in a really high position of power and he's and he's out there, you know, even with with this allegation that happened against him. So a lot of the times these false allegations, well, they don't actually have any repercussions towards that person. Yeah, that's true. And we should note, too, I mean, President Trump, I mean, he's had like two dozen allegations against him. Uh, I mean, if we're talking about just from a pure wrestling standpoint, I mean, Vince yeah. McMahon's had allegations going back, you know, to the 80s. The company has been linked to some shady things. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, I, I guess it could be our, our next our next topic because a lot of people ask too, like, what's rape culture? And for a long time, I had trouble kind of explaining that as well to my and thinking about that. But the more I see it, uh, the, yeah. the more I, I kind of start to understand it. For people that maybe don't understand the concept of rape culture, can you just break that down? Yes, rape culture is extremely complicated because there's so many different things that are attributed to it. So something like, you know, the purity culture that we have where a woman is supposed to be supposed to be pure and, and is supposed to be alluring because of the fact that she's pure. Um, so we hypersexualize those women, but there's also women who embrace their sexuality, who dress as they want, yet we're demonized for doing that and embracing our sexuality and called names like whores and sluts because we are dressing and acting however we want and embracing our sexuality and rape culture it really entails um, the language as well. So what happens is when you're in a group of men and you have these conversations where you do, you know, you, you do talk about how a woman, how a woman acts or what she's wearing at a bar and you just, you know, you start to talk amongst each other and you call her a whore and you're like, wow, she looks really easy. And these men are holding each other accountable to say, Hey, you know what? That's actually not okay to say the way that a woman dresses and acts does not equal consent. Uh, so rape culture is also dismissing victims who have come out and spoken against rape allegations and who have spoken against men that have assaulted them or raped them. And rape culture plays a lot, especially in our in, in our culture as well, because there's so much pressure as 
you know, as, as Middle Eastern people that we have this purity again, that we're supposed to maintain until we get married. And when there is a rape or a sexual assault that happens, there's a huge fear. And this isn't just, sorry, for Middle Eastern women, this is for any woman. And the culture really puts a lot of pressure on women to not come out and say anything because of the shame that's going to come out from the, from the community. So we're really silenced in speaking out about our experiences because we really fear about not being marriage material or the fact that um, it was somebody close to us. So we're going to ruin their reputation. Uh, so there's so many different, like it falls into a big umbrella rape culture, uh, but a lot of it, it goes again from the purity complex to also um, objectifying women and the fact that we equal what a woman wears and how she acts to consent, which is not actually true. Right. And, you know, I, I, I think too, we're talking, when we're talking about rape culture, I, I feel like there's what I've seen online, there's a lot of these knee jerk reactions, right? Nobody is saying that you have to immediately assume somebody is guilty when allegations come out. However, I've been stressing this to, to all the, the viewers and listeners, like we should take them seriously. And your knee jerk mm -hmm. reaction shouldn't be to a victim. Oh, you're lying like that. Like that to me is crazy. But what a lot mm -hmm. of people don't realize is that, and I'm not saying this is all authorities, all police or anything like that, but there are a lot of times where a woman or, or a man that ha is a victim of abuse, domestic violence, whatever, they go to the police, either nothing happens and or they don't believe them or they go into the case not believing them, I mean, whatsoever. And it just, it, it astonishes me that we've seen countless example after example. And for whatever reason, people just don't get that. Yeah. And it, it, that's the thing is that there's, a difference between men and women whenever they do come out against allegations. So um, men who do experience sexual assault or rape, uh, they, they're dealing with a different type of pressure of, you know, they're not going to believe me. How could I be raped? I'm a man. Um, how could I ever have been assaulted? You know, I'm bigger than this person or like, how could that happen? You know, they feel that it takes away from their masculinity. Uh, but it's actually the opposite. It's so empowering to come out and tell your story and you might inspire somebody else to speak about what happened as well. And men have so much more pressure of not speaking out. And it goes, so it goes both ways. It goes both for men and women um, who are experiencing, you know, wanting to come out and, and talk about the, the rape or sexual assault allegations. And another thing I've been seeing a lot of, and, and I know you hate this too, is gaslighting. Can you explain mm -hmm. to people what, what gaslighting is? I'm sure they've heard the term, but I don't feel like a lot of people really understand it. Yes. So gaslighting is not just actually between partners or ex-partners. It can be your family members. It can be your friends. It can be your coworkers. It can be your bosses. So gaslighting is a term where you're made to feel crazy. So you can have an event that occurs between you and one person and you remember this event extremely correctly, uh, but the other person will lie and will say, well, actually this didn't happen. I don't remember saying that. I don't remember doing this. You're acting crazy. You don't know what actually happened. And it puts you in a position where you question your own reality. You question yourself to thinking, wow, am I actually being abused or am I just going crazy or am I just making things up in my head? And the person who is gaslighting knows what they're doing. And they want to put you in this vulnerable position where they can treat you however they want uh, and make you feel like you're always in the wrong. So again, this can be, I'm, I can imagine also it can be gaslighting in, in the industry between like a boss and, and, and an employee uh, where they will, they will come out and speak on something that happened. And then they'll say, well, actually, that's not how I remember it happening. You're actually in the wrong. And especially because there's that power dynamic, uh, they're obviously going to not want to speak out because they don't want to upset their boss. So it happens in so many different environments and gaslighting is really, it's very dangerous uh, because then you will start to shut yourself down. You're not going to want to talk to friends or family because 
you start to excuse their behavior. You're going to say things like, well, they didn't mean it. You know, they've had a traumatic childhood and you'll start to come up with a lot of excuses to defend them. And so that will prevent you from actually talking to your friends and family, which will continue the cycle of you being gaslit in a relationship and no matter what relationship it is. And what's really disturbing, too, with some of these stories, and I don't know if you've read these in particular, but there's uh, like a number of allegations against this former independent wrestler, uh, Joe, I guess now former independent wrestler, Joey Ryan, who, you know, would allegedly assault these women and then say something along the lines of, oh, I'm going to kill myself or I'm, I'm going to harm myself. Or there's another uh, wrestler by the name of Jimmy Havoc, who's currently affiliated with AEW. Uh, he's in rehab right now, but uh, he, he was accused at least twice of sexual assault and same kind of recurring theme like you know he was mentally abusing somebody he was sexually abusing somebody and anytime that they come combat that or try to combat that he'd say oh i'm killing myself or he'd actually allegedly harm himself so i mean in a way is that gaslight i mean would you put that under the category of also gaslighting is that more like kind of more of like a complex version of like of like mental abuse because i mean that's got to be crazy i mean you're on one hand if you're as a victim you're already dealing with your own trauma but then to sort of have somebody else's life in your hands, apparently so, when they're threatening their own. That's actually categorized under emotional abuse and mental abuse. Uh, this person knows exactly what they're doing. A lot of the times they actually don't go through um, with the self-harm, but they want to, again, put you in a position where no matter how you, how you act or if you threaten to leave or to talk, like you said, then they will harm themselves. So that's a form of manipulation in order for you to not come out or to say something or even to leave a person in the first place. So that's actually, it's under the, the category of domestic abuse of like mental and emotional abuse abuse but they know exactly what they're doing sometimes they go through with it sometimes they don't but these alley something like this these statements should be taken very seriously and you don't want to brush something like that off like a lot of the times police have said if something like that ever happens it's better to call 911 for them to investigate what has happened and it's better to intervene um, and get them the proper you know help that they need which is like you said rehab and to go um, to therapy and to um, to know that this form of manipulation is is not okay very well said. Now, I've been advocating to all my fellow men out there that watch and listen to TSC. Obviously, even if you're a quote-unquote good guy, you got to do better. If you see some BS, if you see anything that looks like har- it just looks like harassment, like you got to call it out. And that's certainly yeah. one small way to prevent this, to stop this. But based on your experiences and all the amazing work that you've done, what are some other preventative and combative measures that we can all take to improve not just pro wrestling, but any industry in general. So no man or woman has to go through this kind of treatment. Mm -hmm. And um, I think when we think about nice guys to say that, you know, I haven't raped somebody or, you know, I, I haven't done this or that, that doesn't make you a nice guy. That makes you like, that's the bare minimum that you should be doing. You are not a good person for not doing those things. Um, So we have to take it a step further than that. Like you said, you have to call out your friends. Uh, You, you know, the bro code that's of the bro code does not also entail uh, covering for a rapist. Yeah. That's not how it, that's not how you're supposed to support each other. Right. And I hate also this mentality of, you know, if I have a daughter, uh, you know, I don't want to have a daughter because of how they're acting or whatever, or that when I had a daughter, that's when I started to respect women. It's like, that's actually a human being. We all came from a woman. And the fact that you choose to disrespect women, uh, because you don't have a daughter because you don't see them as human. Uh, that's, that's something that I will never tolerate and that we should not tolerate in the first place. And we have to hold each other accountable, uh, because, so honestly, sometimes we have to have a conversation because some people don't know that they're instigating and that they're contributing to rape culture by the language that they're using. So we need to call them out and have this dialogue. You don't want to, you don't want to bash people 
and you don't want to, you know, jump down their throats and, and call them a rapist and, and absolutely attack them. You want to have that conversation because what's going to happen when you attack them, they're just going to stay closeted. They're going to think those things and they're just going to keep going with life. We have to be able to have that proper conversation about what they're doing that is wrong and how it is perpetuating rape culture. Rape culture also includes the fact that rapists don't actually get time in jail. You know, Brock Turner, the fact that he only ended up, you know, going for three months to jail because he was a good person uh, that also contributes to rape culture because that's not going to, you know, push people away from unfortunately committing rape because they're going to say, well, I only got three months. If I do the same thing, well, I won't go to jail for that long, uh, which is an extremely messed up mentality. And like you said, I think the, the key to not just preventing, but to, um, to start talking about it is to start young. Uh, so that's why like our organization actually goes to high schools in Airdrie where we, we actually partner with the RCMP, which is the the police that we have here in Canada in rural towns. So we go to the high schools and we talk to them about what domestic abuse and violence is because at that age that we're going, they've already dated. It's not that they're starting. They've already dated. It's, you know, they're dating younger and younger. We're going when they're around 16, 17, and they've probably already had a relationship where they are in a long-term one. So it's important to go in and talk about what rape is, um, what mental abuse is, what stalking is. You know, a lot of youth don't know what stalking actually includes. Uh, So to give them that proper information so that, again, when they go into you know, other relationships or even their current ones to know what red flags can look like is really important because that's going to click in later in life to say, oh my God, I remember learning this in a presentation that this is actually not okay behavior. Uh, so it's really, again, like I think talking about it is such a big step in and of itself, but there, again, there needs to be more. It's not just a simple calling out even. It needs to be, um, you know, funding proper organizations in order to, again, start young to talk about these issues because these issues are starting that young, right? And there's extremely high statistics of rape and sexual assault that happens even in universities and campuses. Uh, and it's it's starting earlier than that. So um, it's not too early to to speak about those things and to talk about consent. I think also consent, which is really mind-boggling, can be a gray area for people, whereas we need to address it as a black and white um, issue. You know, there's no gray area to what consent is. And so, again, to talk to them about that when they're at a younger age, I think is going to help to also um, empower people to speak about it if it ever does happen to them. Well, hundred percent. That was, that was so well said. And I think people got to understand something too, because some of these yep. other stories that, that are coming out are about people that have either been dating or, or were, were, were in a relationship or whatever, just because you're in a relationship or married to somebody or whatever, no still means no. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it could be your wife. It could, it could, it could be your partner, whatever. If they say no, that, that still means no, that does not give you a, a license to just do what you want with no, with, with mm-hmm. no repercussions. Exactly. Whether that's, you know, like you said, a current partner or, or a spouse, um, you have to always ask for consent. And people think, well, consent isn't sexy. You know, it's really, it like throws off the mood. I'm like, if, if asking for consent is going to throw off the mood, that says a lot about you yeah. and the fact that you think consent um, would throw off the mood of, you know, of, of a sexual intercourse or, or whatever is happening. Uh, so even just with that mentality of the fact that consent is not sexy or it's not cool, uh, really, we need to shift again, that mindset of always asking for consent. Like it doesn't have to, like, it doesn't have to be something like, you know, stringent and like, okay, 
you know, do you consent? No, there's other ways to go about it. Of course, that's, that's the best way to be like, Hey, you know, are you okay with this? Do you consent to this? It's like, that's the best way. There's other ways that are like, are you okay with this? You know, do you want, are you, do you want to stop? Do you want to take this further? What are your thoughts? That's different ways that you can ask for consent um, while it's happening or before it happens as well. Rasha, I really do appreciate all the all the time you've provided. You're a good friend for a reason. You've done some amazing work. I, I love you and the work that, that you do. Uh, before we let you go, uh, what's the best piece of advice you give anybody watching this right now? Uh, maybe something that unfortunately has experienced trauma or somebody that is hoping to prevent it. I think the biggest one is to tell people that they're not crazy. Uh, do not think that you're crazy for feeling the way that you are, um, whether you are thinking that you might be experiencing gaslighting or you're experiencing mental um, financial abuse that it that you should be talking to somebody outside if you're able to I know it can sometimes be dangerous or you don't have access to speaking to somebody outside of your relationship um, but to know that your feelings are valid there's nothing that you can ever say or do that will make it okay for somebody to abuse you in whatever in whatever way and abuse does not only come from physical that's also the tricky part is physical of course is what makes it most apparent, like there's evidence, but that doesn't mean that mental, financial, spiritual, emotional, or psychological abuse is um, less important. It's just unfortunately on the inside. So we don't get to see it on the outside that it's happening, but that still means that you're experiencing abuse and to reach out for help. You're not alone. There's big communities and resources that are out there, which can help you. And um, it's so important to speak out because when you do, you know, you don't, you don't know the amount of people that you're able to reach and to to talk to that will be like wow I'm actually experiencing this I should I should talk about it and I'm not crazy because when you're in a toxic relationship you are made to feel crazy in order for you to stay in this relationship so that's my biggest advice is you're not crazy your emotions are valid that's that's so amazing I'm so glad you said that yeah. and I think that's very really indicative of the speaking out movement right now just like the me too movement you know like <laughs> one person spoke out against David Starr another person spoke out and then all of a sudden a bunch of these people within the business were like wait a minute I'm not crazy. Like I experienced this yeah. too. And then again, instead of this chain reaction, while it's so painful to, for them to have gone through that, while it's so sad to read about the, these stories, I think, like you said, in the long run, not only could they bring some change in the industry, but they could be saving somebody's life. Exactly. Exactly. And we just, we have to believe people, like you said before, um, you know, unfortunately, like you said, that's the knee jerk reaction of, oh, it must be a fake allegation. They're only coming out because somebody else did, but no, it's a chain reaction. It's this ripple, beautiful ripple effect where one person talks about their story, which empowers somebody else to say, this is not okay. I'm glad that, you know, I can speak out about this. And unfortunately I'm not the only one, but also I want to be able to come out and talk about it as well. For sure. And Rasha, where can fans find Nadia's Hope online? Yes, we, we do have a website. So www.nadiashopefoundation.com. We are a registered charity. So when you do make a donation, you will get a tax receipt. Uh, so anything helps. We're a pretty small organization, but we definitely want to create a big change. And it's through, you know, people like you who want to spread the word. So thank you, Fred, for being able to, you know, have this conversation with me. Of course. I love you. You're, you're an amazing person. I love the work that, that you and your foundation oh, do. And thank you. Yeah. I, I urge everybody, everybody to support Nadia's Hope. You can also find them all over social media. You guys have an awesome YouTube channel with some really helpful tips. So like we talked about here today, we you have IGTV. Yeah. You started mm -hmm. TikTok, you know, which is a very unique way yes. to get your, contact, your, your, your content. And I'm very, very deep, but, but really informative in, in a minute or less. So please uh, mm -hmm. follow Nadia's Hope. 
uh, even if you can't make a donation, you can please spread the word. You could definitely mm-hmm. learn something to better your life and make sure that nobody else ever has to go through any kind of abuse. Rasha, thanks so much. Thank you, Fred, for having me. Yeah.